Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Legacy Cafe podcast with your host, Rob Lucy. Rob is the author of the book, How Will You Be Remembered? A Guide for Creating and Enjoying Your Legacies Now. So grab yourself a cup of coffee and find yourself a seat in the Legacy Cafe. Here's Rob. Thanks, Kathy. Hello, everybody. I'm Rob Lucy, and welcome back to the Legacy Cafe. Legacy is about story, but we've been talking about personal stories, either the creation of your own story or gathering the stories of those whose stories you don't want to disappear like I did with my father's book and like some of you have told us you've done. But there's another use of story, and that is in the organizations you work and play and, and, and help develop, the, the where you are at work, uh, the nonprofits you're in. Uh, all kinds of organizations can and are starting to take advantage of story. And the guy who knows this really well is a man named Richard Stone, who's with the StoryWork International. Let me just tell you a little bit about this guy. He's been in the story business for 25 years. Um, some of the pro organizations he's worked with have included Walt Disney Imagineering, the Hewlett-Packard, Kraft Foods. He's, he's written a, a number of books, one called The Healing Art of Storytelling, which I highly recommend, The Healing Art of Storytelling. He's written one called Stories, The Family Legacy, and he was on a, on a team that created something called Story Care, which is a quite an innovative program for driving change in healthcare staff to promote patient safety and satisfaction. What I think Richard and I believe in is that story, when it's properly used, can open minds to think other than the linear thinking which we normally do. And uh, I think we better talk to the guy who knows it a lot better than me. Richard Stone, are you there? I am here. Thank you for having me on, Rob. Rick, this is about story, so tell me a story. How did you get into story? When did you realize its importance and its power and its potential? Well, you know, it's really interesting. Uh, I always tell people you have to be very careful who you sit beside on an airplane because I was traveling, oh, back in 1989, in the summer of 89, traveling back uh, from a backpacking trip to Orlando where I lived at the time, and there were some people on the plane who were sitting beside me, and they were backpackers. But at some point, they said, have you ever been to the National Storytelling Festival? And I said, well, what's that? I had never heard of such a thing. And, um, and subsequently, I got to know them uh, fairly well, and they invited me to come up to the festival that fall. And uh, I had a, essentially kind of an epiphany sitting in the audience listening to a guy named Michael Cotter, who's a farmer from Minnesota. And I realized that's, this is what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. And at the time... I owned an advertising agency, and I had put it up for sale without really knowing what was the next uh, the next step in my journey. And uh, so things unfolded from there. So you just never know when a conversation can actually uh, shift you to a whole new paradigm in your life. Now tell me, give me a broad helicopter view of what StoryWork International does with story and organizations. How well, do you? Help yeah, them we're out? working on a we're working on a number of fronts. Uh, uh, the core work that we're working with right now is transformational around businesses and education. And we're just launching this right now. That we have a, 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 an initiative in education called the Master Story Project. And, and essentially, uh, it, it is this, is that an organization, uh, when it knows what its deepest purpose is, why it exists, and, and it's aspirational and inspirational, we think it can have a gigantic impact on the whole uh, enterprise. Uh, so this is more than just a mission statement. For example, we make widgets and we do a good job doing that. Uh, this is an aspirational statement 
that can actually inspire everyone on the team to get engaged. So we have a process we've developed that starts at the organizational level and uh, at the highest level in which the organization discerns and creates its deepest why or purpose. And that gets cascaded through the organization. We've also developed a process. We think that each of us individually comes into, our, into this life with a calling. Um, and part of our journey is, uh, is really discerning what that is. And when we can get clear what our personal purpose is, uh, life becomes, it doesn't solve all our problems. We still have challenges. <laughs> but we know which, which avenue to be going down. And without that sense of what my deep purpose is, then you have multiple choices. and You don't have any way of deciding, you know, should I be doing this? Should I be doing that? At least if I have a, a broad sense of my purpose, I can know why I'm here in this world. And if my organization has a deeper sense of purpose, I can figure out how I intersect with my organization's purpose. Can, does every organization, though, have a purpose? There's a whole movement called conscious capitalism going on in this country. Mm-hmm. And it's basically trying to move away from the notion of just shareholder benefit to stakeholder benefit. So your stakeholders in an organization are the people who work with you and for you. Uh, there's the community. Uh, there's the environment. They're your suppliers. And so when you take a bigger perspective, uh, people have a different sense about how want, they want to connect with you. And today, more and more consumers are wanting to buy from organizations and companies that are doing good. And it turns out that organizations that are doing good tend to do better financially. Uh, they, they, they build a stronger base of, of devoted, uh, loyal customers. Once an organization finds its purpose and there is a stakeholder benefit and the story of that purpose is defined, I guess the legacy part of this is is that travels down the line with a more healthy, robust, visionary organization. Am I stretching that a little bit? No, I think, I think you've captured it pretty well. So, for example, uh, my partner uh, runs a bakery called Dewey's in Winston-Salem, and we make uh, uh, cookies for a lot of the large uh, vendors and, the, and grocers in this country, private label, but we also just launched our own brand. So Dewey's why or purpose is we are creators of delight. And uh, so it's not, it has nothing about making cookies. It's about we are creators of delight. And that means even if you're in the financial uh, department, Uh, So how is it that you can create delight within the organization with the people that you you serve within the organization? If you're in purchasing, how do you create delight and and add value within the company? So people can begin to start to see this wider sense of of what the company can do. And and Dewey's, just by example, um, does a lot of good in the community. We give uh, we, we do pop-up stores in the in the on, in the holiday season, and and organizations man those pop-up stores all over the Winston-Salem Piedmont area. I think they're going to have close to 40 this year. We've given away almost a, about a million dollars in the last five years to not to groups. It could be a band that wants to buy new <laughs> new uniforms. It could be the local hospice. We're very involved with that. Uh, we've helped the local hospice raise a quarter of a million dollars each year for the last two years. So, um, and then it, it really cascades down to what we do for employees in this company. Uh, we have, we have a community garden for our staff. 
uh, and, they, and they're taking food home right out of the garden. So we do, that's just, just examples. There's an old parable or story about a, an English gentleman who's walking along and sees three guys laying a stone. And he goes to the first and says, what are you doing? And the guy says, if you can't see him laying stone, you must be you know, blind or something. And goes back to his work. And the second guy says, well, if you, you must be blind. It's obvious I'm making a wall. But the third guy wipes his hands off, steps back and says, I'm on the team that's building the cathedral here. Yeah. So to, to me, that's, that, that epitomizes. Um, so he has the vision that he's building something bigger. You've got a process, and I want to I go through it because I think people listening would be, would be able to apply this and see the application of it. We're, we're right in the middle of it right now with a school district uh, near us. Uh, so we're doing it for the whole school district, and this happens to be a, a city that has, I think, about 12 schools. I mean, what is the goal of this story-storming process? What do you, the, what the goal for them is actually, to, is actually to come up with a transformative vision that they can continue to refer to that can become the template for change and improvement for them, hopefully, for the coming years. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, and part of this, we'll end up creating a piece of media that will tell that story that they can then cascade it when they go out to talk to uh, other other faculty and all the schools, they can say, here's what our story is. And we'll actually then hopefully take this down to the schools. So every school will develop their own unique master story that fits in with the school district's master story. And we'll have every faculty member go through this process. And then we're also developing a ninth grade curricula. We'll, we'll develop a curricula for students to develop what to discover what their purpose is. And we right. think that's pretty profound stuff. Because yep. if every student is showing up and knows what their deep purpose is, then they can actually figure out, oh, what does this have to do with me, this course, and how can I fit this in with my purpose? And it may have to do with, say, I should take this course versus that course when I have electives. Rick, we have an episode about how we as boomers or Generation X or millennials think about our legacies. Do, do, do people move to their their core purpose differently and, and um, to say millennials, are they thinking a little differently than their brothers in Generation X or their parents? And Well, you know, there's, there's an old saying is that I think when we uh, reach about age 50 or 55, we're, you know, kind of moving into that, you know, that next phase of our life, it becomes more important to look back than it is to look forward. And, and legacy, I think, has a lot to do with looking back and harvesting. Uh, if you're a millennial and you're, you know, in your early 30s, uh, you're still looking forward. You're, you're, um, but one of the things that, that we're finding about millennials is that millennials need to have a sense of purpose and need to know how they fit in with the bigger purpose of the company more than I think other generations. Um, so we think this work is going to be seminal and very crucial for companies uh, because, uh, as we know, millennials will, at the drop of a hat, will just switch jobs. They're looking for purpose. So they're not finding it here. They'll, they're like a bee. They're going to go to another flower. They're not going to stick around. So, uh, and we know it's very costly for companies to lose staff in that way and to, mm -hmm. they invest a great deal in training them and developing them and suddenly they leave. So we think that this is going to be a really uh, crucial building block for companies to uh, keep millennials involved and engaged. Uh, and, and I think that they're looking for this, and, and they want to they be working with a company that has a bigger purpose. What about families? What can you do to get families to buy into a core, 
for purpose, or is that possible? Is it that? Well, I think I think it is possible. You know, and it's interesting. You know, as we were preparing for this, we were sharing with you. Uh, there's some wonderful researchers down at Emory. I live in Atlanta, and where Emory is, and uh, they've been studying family storytelling for 25 years, and they found that kids who know their family stories, not just all the positive stories, but also the stories of challenges that the family faced and her parents faced and got through, and the difficulties they got through. Those kids tend to have higher self-esteem and greater resilience when facing challenges themselves. So I think that uh, the fat, you know, we've gone through a process in our culture of a term. Here's a term I, I coined years ago. I called it destorification, and it's akin hmm. to deforestation. If you uh, if you cut down all the trees in a forest and you plant just pine trees, the rich life that was there before never comes back. In, in the same way. Mm -hmm. um, and so we've gone through a process in our culture of devaluing storytelling, devaluing sharing within families, devaluing legacy. So by recreating a, a story tradition in your family, one, you, you're rebuilding something that's rich that will continue to nurture uh, your children for years to come and will have an impact way beyond what you can even imagine and so I'm actually right now I'm, I'm at the school district we're working with they in their district they have a large Latino community so many of these children are way ahead of their parents in English and way ahead of their parents on a number of uh, subjects where the parents couldn't sit down and even help them with their homework and so the parents want to know how can I help my kids I want to make a difference for my kids, and one of the ways they can do that is to share their stories of their journeys, and that many of them have gone through uh, harrowing journeys to arrive in this country to create a new life. That story will feed their children in ways that they can't even fathom. So we're actually looking at doing some action research there to see if we could actually create programs to teach them to understand how to tell their stories and how to value their stories and encourage them to do that and actually see what happens if they start doing that and follow those kids over well, a period of time. Yeah, if mom or dad is sitting around with four kids, is there, what would you suggest? Are there some questions to ask? You know, one of the things that I've done in my workshops, I just did a workshop with, with parents as a trial uh, just a few weeks ago. I have people draw the floor plan of the home they grew up in, whether it was an apartment or a house or whatever it was. And what's interesting is then to have them show that floor plan to their children and tell stories about things that happened in that space. And what happens for the teller is that it unlocks memories, things they haven't thought of in a long, long time. And they suddenly start thinking of remembering things they've just forgotten. Um, and kids are curious about where their parents come from. They want Kids want to know where they came from, and this is part of that that whole context of that story. So uh, you, a, parent, a parent can give a kid a, a, a guided tour and then do, do a map of the neighborhood, what it was like, and, and tell stories of things that happened there. And kids will appreciate that, especially as you start with younger kids. Uh, hard sometimes with teenagers, because teenagers are <laughs> they've already moved on to other things. But I find that even teenagers, they, they're listening at some level. Have you got anything we can give to our listeners to... Um, well, actually, you know, there, there's a wonderful questionnaire that's called Do You Know that, uh, that Robin Fivush and, and Marshall Duke, these researchers, developed. And, uh, and, and I've, uh, I think that you're gonna, you can actually load it up onto your website that people we will can do that. download it. So, and the, uh, benef the benefit of those questions, uh, these are questions that would, the children and parents would ask of each other? 
Well, these would be questions that, and so that it's sort of a guide is that you could go down. It's like there's 20 questions. And uh, so there are all kinds of questions there about knowing you know, even your parents' or grandparents' names and where they were born and where, you're, where did you and mom meet uh, or dad, you and dad meet and, and, how, and how did you meet. So just simple questions. And so it would be for, for a parent, they could go, hmm, I'm not sure we've ever told our, our, our children how we met. Um, but they could actually give the kids the questionnaire and see that maybe, oh my gosh, you don't know. Let me tell you about how we met. And so kids will want to know. But the benefit um, for this is the kids, and you're saying this research says that the kids come out being more, more whole, more connected to the family, more comfortable with who they are amidst the family. Um, yeah. They're just happy. Well, they're just and, happy and the thing kids. here is resilience, Rob, is that resilience has to do with facing life challenges and being able to, feeling like you have the inner resources to do that. And, and as you probably know, and maybe many of your listeners know, teen suicide is a big issue today. Yep. And I, I think what happens for kids when they face challenges, they have no internal reference of a story of getting through that. So the giving your children these stories of, uh, of difficult times actually can give them a model for how they can face those times when they face them. Summarize what I remember out of this. We started talking about stories and organizations, your company, your nonprofit, etc. So the benefit of getting to that core story in the organization, and some might think there isn't one, but there is, as we turn Dewey's into sellers of Sellers of sweet creators of delight. Creators of delight. Creators of delight is much bigger than selling um, muffins, right, and, or cookies, and right. that accountant can buy into it. So the benefit of finding the core story, both to finding the core story for the organization and your core story and how it ties in, is that we all end up moving down a new and different road, perhaps together, um, that is healthier. And the legacy is. Healthier organizations are, are are the ones that uh, lead that, they head down that road. That's correct. That's correct. Yeah. And you know, and when employees can feel like they're part of the story and they're they're part of the creation of the new story of the company. Yeah. Uh, ownership's a big deal. It's a big deal that I feel like I've made a difference. You've done some great work. It was some great clients at StoryWork International, and um, I'm delighted you you've been here. We could talk about this forever because I, I of course, obviously I believe in the story, but uh, your uh, your experience has been great to pass on to our listeners. Thank you very much. The Legacy Cafe's guest today, Rick Stone from StoryWork International. Thank you, Rick. You can find out about Rick and go to his website and download the uh, the questions for the family, which I bet all of you would enjoy doing. You can get that at LegacyCafe.org forward slash stone. That's LegacyCafe.org forward slash stone. And um, I hope your family will enjoy it. I'm sure you will. Rick, thank you very much. Um, I, I'm kind of expecting a box of Dewey's sweet things to be arriving <laughs> at the door here pretty quickly. Well, get, get, me, get me your address, and I'll think I might be able to manage that, Rob. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Thank you very much. I'm Rob Lucy. This is the Legacy Cafe. Thanks for joining us. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Legacy Cafe podcast. We have lots of great conversations coming your way. And by the way, if you want us to send you reminders that a new podcast is ready for you, go to LegacyCafe.org to subscribe. That's LegacyCafe.org. Have a great day. And remember, the coffee and conversations are always hot at the Legacy Cafe. Legacy Cafe.